0: Welcome to Beyond Bechtel, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host Contrera and in this episode it's just me. I think you would have to have been living under a rock to have not heard about Disney's latest Marvel Cinematic Universe program called WandaVision. There are many podcast episodes, TV shows, YouTube videos and other pieces of content out there about WonderVision, but I still felt like Beyond Beckdale should look at this show because of how groundbreaking it is. I'm going to divide the show up into three parts. The first part, part one, is a discussion of the cast and crew who are involved with One Division and how amazing they are in terms of both what they're doing and the climate in which they are doing it. Part two of the episode will be a summary of the first five episodes, with the intention being that those who haven't watched the episodes or have forgotten what the storylines of the individual episodes are, can listen to this as a quick refresher. This will be completely spoiler free as long as you've watched all of the episodes to date. And then the final part will be exploring theory crafting, looking at the graphic novels, comic books related to division where the showrunners and writers are drawing influence from and a slightly wider crazy discussion about what could happen and why we love mystery box TV so much. Part three will be heaving with spoilers or at least potential spoilers, although your guess is as good as mine and the internet's. I will put the time codes in the show notes. So if you want to skip through, or just listen to some parts of this episode and not others, then that's great. Be easy for you to do so. And now let's start with part one. Why one division comes under the remit of Beyond Bechtel is about who makes Marvel and the stereotypes that feed into the critique of a Marvel product and there is a lot of strong feeling and expectation for any Marvel Cinematic Universe product or anything made by its parent company Disney. I want to acknowledge but not spend too much time on the stereotypes involved with superhero obsession and interest, which are that superhero stories have been delineated along gender lines. That means that as a society, we used to, and to some extent, depending on who you are, still do expect more men to be interested and boys to be interested in superheroes than girls and women or anyone non-binary. When it comes to film and TV, the residue of these stereotypes remain, but I'm working from a position that however you categorise yourself, you like a good story. And the creators of WandaVision decided to subvert superhero Stereotypes and tropes in a way that could bring in more viewers or different viewers, those who, when you ask them, would say that they wouldn't go near an MCU product or not know who Scarlet Witch is, and at the same time, not alienate the huge number of people who are deeply invested in the 23 films. That have made up the phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is now pivoting to television. I think many of us are aware that so called comic book fans are a notoriously large group with a powerful voice, and alienating them is something that any creative team would want to avoid, particularly one working for one of the biggest bear moths in media in the world. And adding into the mix a fragile populace at the mercy of a devastating pandemic who want to cling to the escapism offered by both Disney and superhero stories, there was always going to be a lot of strong feeling about WandaVision, whatever it became when it came out. Clearly, WandaVision was never going to be able to satisfy all of its objectives or all of its potential viewership. And yet the showrunners and creatives behind the project, and especially perhaps the executive producer, Kevin Feige, decided to go ahead with making what is a very strange and unique television programme. Full disclosure I really struggled with episode one of One Division. I have never seen the Dick Van Dyke show, which I believe it was based on in terms of the styling of the show. I have seen many episodes of I love Lucy when I was a child and they didn't really excite me when I was young and they don't really excite me now. Um, I know that One um, Division is a show that it's a, a pastiche of familiar cosy sitcoms. And that still makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever been in a studio audience or for a TV show or even attended a comedy, live comedy show. There is something deeply unnatural about audience laughter. Um, I'm sure plenty of us are thinking, wow, will I ever sit in an auditorium again with 300 people and laugh at someone on stage? But whenever I was part of an audience, I always felt obligated to laugh, whether it was conscious or unconscious. And my laughter was louder. And it was part of this joint experience, which in itself is a great thing. But it also suggests that something is funnier than it actually is. And I don't think WandaVision division is actually requiring that kind of laughter and hilarity. It's more wanting to hold a mirror up to something beloved and reflect back a view on society that has changed a great deal since those shows were first aired. Let's talk about The Crew. The effective showrunner of Division is Jack Schaefer, a woman who has a fascinating Wikipedia page because to some extent it looks like her success came out of nowhere. Um, the directors of Captain Marvel, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, together with Kevin Feige, came to hire Schaefer uh, to co-write the film Captain Marvel. And now she is spearheading this TV show. And that's quite a meteoric rise. Um, It came, I think, from Feige himself, because he really likes the suburban sitcom genre. And he thought that it made people feel safe, which is one of the overriding messages of WandaVision. And he maybe decided to choose a woman or someone at least who he saw some talent in to meld all the information that she has about the Marvel comics with this suburban escape from reality sitcom genre, which I think must be such a difficult job for anyone. Luckily, Schaefer put together a very talented team of creatives, which Of which many are female. And together they were able to craft a story that was very intriguing and offered something new in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also harked back to this cozy world and still kept all of the beats of a superhero story, at least now as we get midway through the season. The script episodes generally are attributed to one person within the writing team, um, which is common practice, and it is a 50-50 male and female team by the looks of it. Um, I believe that almost everyone in the writing team is white, if not everyone. Um, So that's something to be noted. And it's a pleasure to see the work of people like Laura Donny and Gretchen Enders being used. The hiring of women doesn't stop at the writing. Nona Kodai is a member of the editing team. Kristen Anderson-Lopez, who you might have heard of, uh, wrote the theme song, along with her husband Robert Lopez. Um, Tamara DeMarco is a visual effects supervisor. And these are just some that are in the crew there is a male director for all of the episodes Matt Shackman and a male cinematographer DP Jess Hall and I kind of did a bit of work on (laughs) trying to find out what Jess Hall's racial heritage was which was very discomforting but I was trying to see whether he wasn't white and whether that was some positive step he might be he grew up in Birmingham over here um And he might be Asian, but I I wouldn't want to say. I think, though, that the lesson that I've learned from this is that when you hire women as a showrunner to write a show that's about how women, female characters work, then you are in a position to hire more women in order to round out roles. One, because... I do believe at this stage it is better for women to be writing female characters and and male characters as well, but because they're underrepresented as a group and will bring something different to a man writing a female character. But also because there are stereotypes about whether women even want to do certain jobs, maybe not in the writing team, but certainly the more technical roles. And if you've listened to my interview with Emma Butt, who is a sound technician, incredibly talented, and as she says in the podcast interview, quite a rarity. Um, It's really good to highlight where technical jobs are going to female staff members. Now let's look at the cast billing. According to IMDb, of the top 10 characters which are named, and I don't know whether this might change as the episodes go on because they might introduce new characters, but so far, There are six women named in the top 10 characters, four of the women white, two of the women of colour, and the remaining four characters are men, obviously, there's nobody non-binary in this, of which one is Paul Bettany, the co-lead, and the others are white, but the notable addition is now Randall Park, whose character entered In episode four, and seems to be in every other episode. I hope that isn't a spoiler. Apart from Captain Marvel and possibly the upcoming Black Widow movie, this is the most female heavy cast and crew in a property in the MCU. And it's also one of the most watched shows at the moment. And Absolutely, an essential part of bringing phase four of the MCU, which is this melding of TV and films, continuing the story for the Avengers and other characters beyond the story of Thanos and his desire for balance. So, to conclude, tons of women behind the scenes and in front of the cameras doing amazing work. We haven't even talked about how good Tiona Paris is, how good Kat Dennings is. And obviously, the phenomenal work put in by Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff. And then you also have Catherine Hahn. There's just these really talented, different actresses doing work on camera every week, which is amazing amusing and moving and also part of a superhero story. And I think that even with all the complaints about the different genres, the way this show is slow moving, puts different things into it, it isn't your typical action movie. I don't believe that people are saying, oh no, this shouldn't be a female-fronted property. And that is such a large step in the right direction that I wanted to celebrate because in all the discussion about WandaVision, I didn't want the championing of female success to be lost. Previously on WandaVision. Right, let's get to a summary of what's been happening so far. In one division, this is going to be a summary of up to the end of episode five. Um, so please have watched that before you listen to this, or you don't mind being spoiled. Um, and I'm just going kind, to kind of race through this because I don't think we need to go into a whole lot of detail but I also think some people want to listen to podcasts where someone just tells them what's happening in a show without having to invest a few hours in a show and I don't blame them at all and I'm happy to provide that service. Okay episode one WandaVision seems to be set in a sitcom, which is a pastiche of the Dick Van Dyke show and other black and white 50s sitcoms. In this show, Wanda Maximoff and Vision are masquerading as, uh, parenthesis, normal people in a small town with some interesting neighbours. There is a mystery heart placed by a particular date on the calendar and neither Wanda nor Vision can work out what the date means. Vision goes to his weird old school job and eventually works out that it was the date that his he had invited his boss and his boss's wife for dinner. Wanda actually thinks it might be their anniversary so she's making herself look all sexy and trying to create a lovely anniversary dinner and then when Vision comes home from work bringing his boss and his wife she has to use her magical powers to actually prepare a dinner for the boss and his wife. The episode is set up to show that Wonder and Vision do still have their powers and do to some extent know who they are and they use these to make their lives easier but also for comedic purposes because there's a laughter track on the episode and there are a few weird things that happen where the boss and wife seem to not understand what's going on but in a way that is breaking the fourth wall or at least making the viewer aware that everything's not quite right and that perhaps this isn't actually a sitcom and is some kind of simulation. And also Vision doesn't seem to know what's going on. We are also introduced to Wander and Vision's neighbour, Agnes, played by Catherine Hahn, who seems very nice, but there is a sinister edge. We are introduced to the concept of adverts, Commercial breaks breaking up the episodes of WandaVision, the TV show. The first commercial is for the Toastmate 2000. The Toastmate is a luxury toaster, which is made by Stark Industries and therefore gives us a connection between Tony Stark and Wanda, who you might recall didn't have the best of relationships as It was partly Stark as Iron Man who was responsible for events that happened in the film Avengers Age of Ultron in relation to Wanda's home territory of Sokovia where her brother Pietro aka Quicksilver was killed. Episode 2 is concerned with a talent show that... Is being ran by a woman called Dottie, who is managing the committee and wants the event to happen the same as it does every year. Everyone has to display a talent and everyone has to pay, and then the money goes to a cause that she calls for the children, and she repeats it through the episode. This is also where Wanda meets a character called Geraldine, played by Tiona Paris, who is also a member of the committee. And Vision goes to a neighborhood watch meeting with the local guys and gets some chewing gung stuck down his innards. And as he's an AI robot, that messes him up a bit. And then he's late for the talent show where Vision and Wanda are going to be illusionist magicians. And he keeps cocking up the tricks by not hiding his superhero illusion skills which Wanda has to cover for him notably during the committee meeting before the talent show Wanda and Dottie hear a voice come out of the old school wireless which says to them Wanda who is doing this to you a male voice This episode is also notable for two further reasons. One, at the end of the episode, Wanda is suddenly pregnant. And two, there are flashes of colour that come in from a small helicopter, which is bright red and yellow and has a sword motif on it, which looks strikingly different to the Black and White World, which is based on the sitcom Bewitched. Wonder and Vision also encounter a man who is dressed as a beekeeper, who is getting out of a drain in the middle of the street, and he also seems to have sword iconography on his beekeeper uniform. The commercial in the centre of Episode two is for Strucker watches, which seemed like a nice Rolex brand. And Strucker is an important name for Wanda, which I'll get to in part three of the podcast. Previously on WandaVision. Episode three is based on the style of shows like The Brady Bunch, and everything is now in colour. Wanda's pregnancy is growing at a frightening rate, and they consult a doctor who is a bit strange and starts comparing the size of the fetus to fruit sizes. Then he says he's going on holiday, and Vision goes outside and sees Herb, his neighbour, cutting through a wall, which looks very strange. Wanda, in the meantime, is building a nursery and has some pretty pictures on the wall, including a picture of a stork. In this episode, there seem to be strange cuts in the programme where a scene seems to write itself again or doesn't quite add up, which is something that was also in the first episode but is even more pronounced here. Wanda's moods seem to be affecting the weather and Geraldine visits asking for a bucket because she has a leak and then Wanda wants to hide the pregnancy from her because obviously it's not normal for someone to be nine months pregnant when they were one month pregnant five minutes earlier. And while she is hiding her bump behind a big bowl of fruit, the stalk from the mural in the baby's room comes to life and tries to get Geraldine's attention, which Wanda can't seem to be able to stop. When Wanda's water's break. Vision tries to get the doctor again and in the end Geraldine has to help deliver the baby except surprise it's not just one baby it's two baby boys who they name Tommy and Billy. Vision also sees his friend Herb played by David Payton talking to Agnes after the strange soaring the wall incident and they seem to want to tell him something but can't quite seem to get the words out and Vision is suspicious. Geraldine starts to talk to Wanda about real events from Wanda's life where her brother Pietro Quicksilver was killed by Ultron. Again this is from the Avengers Age of Ultron movie and this seems to greatly upset Wanda so much so that she disappears Geraldine. Then plot twist the aspect ratio changes from 4.3 to widescreen and we see Geraldine be shot out and arrive in a field next door at night next door to a sign which says town Westview. The end. The commercial in episode three is for something called Hydra Soak, and you might know a bit about Hydra from various Captain America and other movies within the MCU. And it's basically about a woman who's a mother who's had it all of looking after her husband, kids running the household, and just wants to have a nice bath. Now things go really cray cray in episode four, which is in widescreen ratio and is set in the modern day so to speak three weeks after the end of the events of the film end game and it starts with a character called monica rambo who you will see looks just like geraldine awake uh come back from the snap which was the hulk snap just before the big battle at the end of end game and you see her reappear with the ash or whatever it is that makes people reappear in a hospital by a bed which she thought should have had her mother Maria Rambeau sleeping in it after having uh, an operation but it's actually been five years since that operation and she finds out from a nurse that her mum died two years ago. Maria Rambeau was Captain Marvel's best friend and co-pilot in the film Captain Marvel to keep with this MCU plot. We learn that Monica works for an organisation called S.W.O.R.D., which stands for, at least in this TV show, the Sentient World Observation and Response Department. The director of S.W.O.R.D. was Maria Rambeau until her untimely death, but now a man called Tyler Haywood is the acting director. Monica is a S.W.O.R.D. employee and I think is a pilot as well and might be a cop or a detective, it's kind of hard to say, but she works for S.W.O.R.D. and Tyler asks her to investigate what's happening in in Westview. At the Westview site in New Jersey, Monica meets FBI agent Jimmy Wu, played by Randall Park, and last seen in the film Ant-Man and the Wasp as an FBI agent who was keeping his eye on Ant-Man after the events of Civil War, where he uses the ant suit to get involved in all sorts of shenanigans. Sidebar, so, it was this kind of thing. Which made me think I should do a podcast episode because I had to go back and watch other MCU films to work out who was who and where they'd previously appeared. So hopefully you don't have to do that and you can just listen to this summary. Jimmy's now working for Sword or with Sword and and we learn that The inhabitants of Westview seem to have disappeared. It is a town, but the local cops don't seem to remember that it exists. And when they try and get into the town, because you can see it and it looks like a normal town if with no people in it, they can't because they're stopped by some kind of weird, strange televisual bubble. However, Monica and Jimmy can see that there's something there and might be able to get in the bubble which we're not sure why, but potentially could be because they've had some superhero interaction previously. And then SWORD sets up a unit by the bubble to monitor the activity inside of it and hires some experts in certain areas to provide information on what the anomaly and the weird bubble is. One of these experts, is Dr Darcy Lewis played by Kat Denning who may be familiar to you as she played the intern and assistant to Natalie Portman's character Dr Jane Foster in the films Thor 1, 2 and Ragnarok but Kat Dennings only appears in 1 and 2 which are set primarily on Earth. Since the end of Thor 2, The Dark World. Darcy has now gotten her doctorate and is a doctor of astrophysics and likes looking at cosmic radiation. And she somehow works out that Wanda is broadcasting what's happening in the sitcom on a TV signal transmission, which can only be viewed on an old TV set. And then we start seeing them watching Wanda's sitcom which is a kind of recap of episodes one to three. This includes the viewer being made aware that the red helicopter that we saw in episode two was actually a drone from S.W.O.R.D which manifests as something different to fit in with the world created in each sitcom episode. And also we can now see Monica enter the anomaly and she becomes the character Geraldine. The exciting end of the episode has a replay, an extended scene of the end of episode three, where Monica as Geraldine asks Wanda about Ultron killing her brother, as you may recall, and Wanda gets very angry and she becomes more scarlet witchy with red balls coming out of her hand and she sends Monica all the way through back outside the anomaly, as we saw at the end of episode three, but then the twist here is that Monica wakes up from whatever she'd been through and she says it's being controlled by Wanda, it's all Wanda. And there's no commercial break in this episode because it was in the widescreen reality world and not the WandaVision television world. Previously on WandaVision. And now for episode five, which is going to be a bit longer because a lot is going on. It starts with the twins, Billy and Tommy, crying and they don't seem to be going to sleep and haven't slept in days. And Wanda and Viz are struggling until when they say they need help, Agnes turns up. And then there's a really strange scene where Viz says, No, Agnes can't take the baby. She needs to make sure she's clean enough and has she washed her hands. And then Agnes turns to Wanda in front of Vision and says do you want me to take that again? Do you want me to take it from the top? As in something you would say if someone's directing a TV show and someone said the wrong line. Vision gets very confused about this and Wanda and him kind of have a debate and she says, you're just tired, you're misunderstanding things we all are. Agnes makes some comedy jokes like getting some alcohol to try and quiet the kids and then suddenly there seems to be no more crying and first wonder and viz think that the kids are finally asleep but actually what's happened is they've been aged up to five years old and now there are two little five-year-old boys then there's credits and the idea is that this episode is based on the michael j fox show family ties um We go out into the real world and see Monica explaining how she felt within the bubble. And she said she felt very depressed by a sense of grief. She says hi to Jimmy and to Darcy. And she is scanned to see if she has suffered from any radiation poisoning. But the scans are blank. There's a team meeting led by Tyler about Wanda saying that the mindstone gave wonder powers this is all things from the film uh, avengers age of ultron and civil war uh he mentions lagos which is a place in nigeria Um, He calls her a terrorist and Monica disagrees. Then Tyler shows everybody in the group a video which looks like Wanda is stealing Vision's body from a secret sword storage facility. And then Tyler says that she resurrected it, which was against Viz's own wishes. Uh, We go back to Inside the bubble and Tommy and Billy somehow have a dog that they need to clean. Vision turns up in the kitchen in human form and says that he is not in his vision robotic form because he's suspicious that people will come over and see him so he might as well be aware now and the moment he says that Agnes comes in the back door with a kennel for a dog which is all very uncanny. The dog starts to play with an electron uh, with an electric socket and gets the name Sparky. Then Wanda and Vision have a discussion and decide that the kids aren't old enough yet to look after a dog and say that they need to be at least 10 years old. The boys take that cue and age themselves up, so now they're both 10. Agnes just finds the whole thing funny. Back to outside, Monica and Darcy discuss building a vehicle that would protect Monica so she could go back inside the bubble. And Monica mentions an aerospace engineer who might be able to help. Darcy says she started calling the bubble the hex because it's hexagonally shaped. And I'm going to call it the hex from now on. They then discuss that Wanda is very very powerful and was almost powerful enough to defeat thanos jimmy is in the conversation and he suggests captain marvel was also powerful enough to beat thanos on her own monica bristles at the mention of captain marvel's name they then decide to look at the outfit that monica was wearing when she was inside the hex as geraldine and was helping wanda give birth in episode three and they realise that actually the ward, the outfit is made of Kevlar, which is basically the bulletproof uniform that Monica was wearing. When she walked inside the Hex, it got turned into an outfit that worked. So they realise that what Wanda is doing within the Hex is rewriting reality. Then inside the Hex, Vision is at work with Norm, who's been in the first few episodes and they have like an 80s, 90s computer and receive an email. Uh, Then something weird happens, which is Vision reads the email and it seems to be from S.W.O.R.D. saying that radiation is powering the Hex and they're not sure how it's affecting the residents, which are the residents of Westview. Viz then kind of puts his fingers on Norm's head and kind of zaps him and Norm comes out of the reverie and starts panicking and says that Viz needs to stop her, whoever she is, uh, as he's being controlled. Another scene within the hex, the kids are teaching Sparky the dog tricks, and they say to Wanda, can they show dad vision? Uh, Wanda says he's at work, even though it's Saturday, because she kind of sent him there because they were arguing and needed some space. But she says that, don't worry, even though they argue like like brothers argue, they'll always be family, and they'll always be brothers to one another. Then one of the twins asks her if she has a brother and she says, yes, she does. But he's far from here. Sparky then growls at the door and Wanda lets him out. Then there's kind of a mishmash of outside and inside the Hex where Monica is piloting a drone from the 80s and is trying to use it to speak to Wanda within the Hex. But we don't know whether Wanda can hear her speaking or not. And Wanda's eyes Glow red, and then Tyler, who is watching through a camera what the drone is doing within the hex, says to take a shot. And you find out that there was a missile on the 80s drone that Monica was using, and they tried to fire the, the missile at Wanda. Instead, Wanda drags the drone outside of the hex, and she's in her more kind of scarlet, witchy, old school. Uniform And she has long hair like she did in some of the earlier movies. She gets very angry, Wanda, and um, even though she has all of these soldiers pointing guns at her, she doesn't seem scared. Then Tyler says, you've been keeping some people hostage, which I presume are the people in Westview who somebody has brainwashed into thinking they are part of the sitcoms. Wanda is then a bit shocked to discover that Monica is still alive. Um, And Monica says, what can we do to help you? And she says, I just want to be left alone because something was taken from her and now she has it back and it will never be taken again. And she walks back into the hex after making sure that all the soldiers who were pointing guns at her are now pointing the guns at Tyler. Back inside the hex, the boys are looking for Sparky and then they see... Agnes and she has something wrapped up in a towel and she says that it's Sparky because he's eaten some azalea leaves and is now dead. Uh, The kids are getting very upset and then Wanda realises that they might try and make themselves older so they can get over their grief. She tells them that they shouldn't do that and they have to live with the feelings instead and then the little boys say well why can't you fix the dead and bring the dog back to life? And Agnes also gets excited about that because she seems to be asking, wow, you can do this as if she needs to have someone brought back from the dead. Wanda says, no, she can't do that. Some things you cannot change. Some people are just dead. Then Vision turns up from his fourth day at work and... They walk back to the house. In the evening, Vision and Wonder, within the hex, in the sitcom fashion, are having an argument where he reveals to her that he knows that she is mind-controlling the people of Westview to make them part of the sitcom. And he says, you can't control me and you can't control them. And she says, why can't I? Suggesting that she can still control Vision. Then they argue and they both go off the ground and they look like they're getting their powers ready to have a fight and... Wanda says, why are you so angry? You're never angry. And he says, I don't know who I am and I'm scared. And then they calm down a bit. And Vision says, I walk past the playground every day and there are no children. Why are there no other children in Westview? And Wanda doesn't really answer the question because there's a ring at the doorbell, which she said she didn't create. It just happened when she opens the door, she sees someone who is purportedly Quicksilver Pietro, her brother. However, it's another actor playing the character, uh, the actor Evan Peters, and not Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is the actor who played her brother Pietro in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then uh, in the middle of the episode, there is another advert. And this advert is about Lagos Paper Towels, where... It's a classic one where someone's spilling things in the kitchen and a mum wants to use the extra strong kitchen towel to spill up the spillage, which happens to be very red. And the voiceover on the advert says the Lagos paper towels are for when you make a mess you didn't need to. And that is the end of episode five. So now we reach part three and we are firmly within spoiler territory. I was considering trying to rank the spoilers into something we found out in later episodes that explains earlier episodes or things from comic books or things from other movies, what speculation what's fact and honestly it's also difficult and there are so many different things I'm not sure I can do that. So a final warning this is going to be full of things that are from other sources that might be spoilers or at least will round out knowledge of WandaVision and also some of this might be completely wrong because it's just wild speculation. So here we go. First question What do we learn from watching other MCU movies? Wanda. Wanda Maximoff's first appearance is in the movie Avengers Age of Ultron and she's living on Sokovia, which is a fictional landlocked country in Europe near, next door to Slovakia. And therefore she has a Eastern European accent. In episode five, when Wanda comes out of the hex dragging the drone, her accent gradually comes back, which I think is the WandaVision writers trying to show that there is a character within the hex who's all American and the character outside who is no longer willing to fit in with the other Avengers or other characters with a kind of faked American accent. In Ultron, you find out that Wanda gets her power because her and her brother were experimented on using the Mind Stone, and then she became super radioactive, which I think actually is hinted to in the previous movie, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, where they're mentioned as these test subjects. Darcy. Darcy Lewis appears in Thor and Thor 2, The Dark World. She was an intern and assistant of Natalie Portman's character Jane in these films and wasn't really taking anything to do with radioactive energy waves or superheroes very seriously at all until Thor comes into the picture and suddenly she's on board. Also, her mentor, or or at least Jane's mentor, is a character called Eric Selvig, played by Stellan Skarsgård. And he's in Thor, Avengers, Thor 2 and Age of Ultron. And all sorts of things happen to him. He gets possessed by uh, bad forces using the Mind Stone. He helps Thor. He's on Loki's side. And then, excitingly for me, at the end of Ultron, he's working at my actual old uh, alma mater, Royal Holloway University here in London, which is quite exciting. Um, so that's those films for Darcy. In turn, at some point between the events of those films and WandaVision, Darcy became a doctor and received a PhD in astrophysics. So go her. It's probably possible because there's probably about 10 years or so between the films and division. Jimmy Woo. Jimmy first appears in Ant-Man and the Wasp where he is an FBI agent and he likes to do card tricks. In episode four when he meets Monica Rambeau he does a card trick to make his business card appear in his hand which is a callback to Ant-Man and the Wasp where Ant-Man can do that trick, Paul Rudd's character, and Jimmy desperately wants to learn and you can see himself in the film trying to teach himself and he obviously succeeded. Jimmy used to work for Shield and he mentions a missing person in episode four, I think it is, and we'll get to speculation on that later. But you don't really need to know much about Jimmy. He's a good guy. He brings coffee. Monica Rambeau, aka Geraldine. I'm now getting into proper spoiler and theories on the net because Monica hasn't previously appeared in the MCU, but her mother Maria Rambo has. In Captain Marvel, the movie, Maria is known to be Captain Marvel's best friend on Earth and co pilot, and then WandaVision, the show, lets us know that she then becomes one of the founders and the director of Sword. Now for a proper theory speculation section on Monica. So Monica is Maria's daughter. We don't know anything about her, but presume she is 100% human. She enters the Hex in WandaVision, and in episode five, when she exits the Hex, she has some radiation x rays, and they all turn out to be blank and the woman taking the x-ray says I need to take these again. The internet is speculating that the Monica Rambeau of the comics is now going to make an appearance. She has come under many guises, most notably Photon which was actually the sign name of her mother Maria Rambeau and Pulsar and plenty of others. There's lots of things in the comic books but most importantly what happens in the comics which seems to be mirrored with the hex is that Monica is an absolutely normal person then she is exposed to some very strong radiation and then she develops a superpower which is she can convert her body into energy which is very similar to what Captain Marvel does so she's also been called another Captain Marvel in a comic book series. So here it looks like episode 5 of WandaVision is establishing that Monica Rambeau developed some radioactive powers from going inside Wanda's Hex. Let's now move on to the biggest reveal in episode five and look at Quicksilver. AKA Pietro, AKA Peter, Maximoff. In order to talk about Quicksilver, I have to mention that 20th Century Fox owns the rights to the X-Men characters, including Quicksilver. And 20th Century Fox was acquired by Disney, which now allows Marvel, a company also owned by Disney, to use X-Men characters in their properties. Evan Peters appearing as Quicksilver in WandaVision is mind-blowing for a number of reasons one because he played peter or quicksilver not pietro uh in the 2014 movie x-men days of future past and his character is in it a bit and he's really funny and he was one of the best things in that film i really enjoyed him um but it's a completely different story to the quicksilver story as portrayed in x-men age of ultron now in Days of Future Past, Quicksilver is on his own. There is no Wonder. There is no Maximoff. And it's also important to say that it's quite a complicated story that we're not spend too much time talking through Days of Future Past. I recommend watching it. But basically, it involves Wolverine in the future, where the world's gone to shit and everyone hates mutants, being able to go back in time to around the time of the vietnam war to help a younger professor x against a younger magneto war 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 mutants mutants like each other hate each other hate humans like humans etc 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 it's much better than that it's a really good film um magneto in the film is played by Michael Fassbender when he's younger, and obviously in other X-Men movies is played by Ian McKellen in the first three X One to Three as an older Magneto. And um, Magneto is going to be coming back in a minute as he is relevant to these spoilers. What's so interesting about Evan Peters being cast as Pietro in the WandaVision Hex sitcom? well, is how it opens the possibility of there being a multiverse. Another film that's coming out soon, hopefully, depending on the post-pandemic world, in the MCU is the Doctor Strange sequel called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now I'm going to try and explain what a multiverse is and I'm probably going to veil miserably because I don't really get it and people argue about what it is and if it's even possible. But according to various branches of science, our universe may not be the only universe and there are multiple different universes within I don't know, something bigger than our universe, because I always thought our universe went on forever. So who knows? Now, in terms of what that means for being in one universe and contacting another, some schools of thought say that universes are layered on one another. And if you've ever uh, read any of the Dark Materials trilogy by Philip Pullman or watched anything related to The Subtle Knife, Which is one of the books that has a character who can use a knife to cut between universes. And that uses the theory that all universes are all layered on top of each other, where different things are happening, but versions of the same people. Uh, Other theories suggest that you can travel between universes by using wormholes and other mind blowing things that I don't understand. In terms of the MCU and the film and comic book world, If I read the Wikipedia page on the film Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, Wanda and Elizabeth Olsen has been confirmed as starring in this movie, which means she's not going to die in WandaVision. And also she's intrinsically important to the plot. And a source says Wanda continues the character evolution of speech marks, ownership of what makes her unique, and the accountability of her life experience, closed speech marks, that comes from WandaVision. There's definitely something here about her and the ability to walk between universes or planets or solar systems or realities, which is something that obviously the MCU has dealt with with various infinity stones and what they can do, particularly shown in Infinity War and Endgame. Back to Evan Peters' Quicksilver. We don't know much about what's going to happen in the Multiverse of Madness, but it says multiverse, so it's definitely suggesting that in the film, Doctor Strange will explore different versions of reality with perhaps different examples of people he knows or different people playing familiar characters. Now, if you wanted to bring in to the MCU the world and the characters of the X-Men, then a way to do it would be to layer on the characters and the actors who've played those characters in prior X-Men films with characters who are in the MCU. Evan Peters could have been introduced because he is a multiverse version of Pietro Maximoff and is being dragged into WandaVision's hex by either herself or someone else. It could be that That's just a joke being made by the creators of WandaVision where they're recasting a character, which is something that um, a lot of sitcoms have done, notably in Roseanne. They recast one of the main characters, Becky, and didn't really mention it. However, when you watch the end of episode five, you can see that even Wanda doesn't recognise that it's her brother as she knows him. Um, So I don't think it's that. And I've seen some potential spoilers of episode six. So close your ears, fast forward if you don't want to hear these, where Evan Peters' Pietro knows that vision is already dead and makes a quip about how you can't kill someone twice. If that's the Pietro or Peter as he is, he's Peter Maximoff in the X-Men films, from another universe, I don't know how he would know that Vision is dead. Whereas, leading on to the next theory, if he is actually a creation by somebody else, not Wanda then this would just be some clever casting and he's actually not the Peter from X-Men Days of Future Past. You can't control me the way you do then. Can't I? Let's move on to the question of who is creating and controlling the Hex. Obviously, we're led to believe from episodes one to five that mostly S.W.O.R.D., and the viewer is led to believe that Wanda is creating the hex. And I don't actually think that's what, what's happening. I think that she probably stole Vision's body from the sword lab because sword were trying to use him to make some kind of radioactive or biological weapon after he was dead. Because um, I think they're a bit dodgy. And well, are they like Hydra, uh, as you'll know, the the bad people from the MCU created in Captain America? Or are they more like S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, from various TV shows and, the, you know, po- more positive, allegedly, body trying to help save the world? If it's not Wanda who's creating this hex, then who is it? This is when we need to go into comic book knowledge and I'll start by talking about Catherine Hahn's character Agnes. It might be worth noting at this point that if you don't know this there are tons and tons of different comic book series written by people covering Marvel stories where different sets of the same characters or new characters all fight together, get involved in different plot lines, marry, kill, shag each other. And obviously, not all of these plot lines can work in the same universe. So, when a character is used in a program like One Division, they are being taken from one series or more than one series of comic books where they're mentioned. But I'm guessing the way the writers did it is they couldn't take every single thing, only use the character and some of what they know about it to try and inform the world. Agnes is purported to actually be a character called Agatha Harkness. She's portrayed in various comic books as one of the original Salem Witch Trial witches and a mentor of Wonders in actual real magic, which I just love, because there's always this idea that Wanda's powers are more magical than scientific, and that probably explains how powerful she is. I don't know how much more I should say. She has a son called Nicholas Scratch, and in WandaVision, the TV show, um, she was talking about old scratchy her bunny and we will get to animals in WandaVision in a bit. She also dies uh, because she is she is burned at the stake in the comics and um, appears to Wanda after her death and is very close to Wanda and in one storyline she kind of hints at Wonder that she can maybe use some of her power to get pregnant and have Vision's baby because in the comic books Vision and Wonder are partnered. So everything in Division, in terms of them falling in love that started in the MCU films did happen in the comic books first. There are all sorts of clues in the episodes of WandaVision, meaning that Agnes isn't exactly who she says she is. She has that strange conversation with Herb talking about people not meaning to be in the street. She always turns up at exactly the right moment with exactly what Wanda and Vision need in the sitcom, which suggests that she understands more about what's going on in the hex than she leads the audience and Wanda to believe. In episode four, the sword response team has created a wall showing all of the IDs which are normally driving licences of the residents of Westview who are now forming part of the cast of the Division soap in The Hex. The list includes Herb and Norm and Vision's boss from episode one and his wife. The list does not include the character of Agnes and also doesn't include the character of Dottie and we'll come to Dottie later. Agnes's lack of ID suggests that Agnes could have come from somewhere else as she isn't a town of Westview resident. So if Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness and is a villain or member of the MCU, which we've never seen before, why would she be controlling the Hex? Is she controlling the Hex or is she being controlled by Wanda? Now I probably need to move on to Mephisto. Bear with me because this is a character who... I'm pretty sure we haven't seen, or certainly not in any kind of human form in Vision. And there is a distinct possibility that he might not even turn up. However, he is related to Agatha Harkness and Wonder and Vision in these comic book series. And so therefore he warrants a mention. Firstly, he looks like the devil. He's all red and muscular and got weird hair and it might even have a tail I don't know um and he's kind of based on Mistopheles, if you know anything about Faust and those kind of ancient legends I think he was also in the film Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage Um, I'm not saying you have to uh, watch those films though unless you just want to So if you know anything about Mephistopheles, you'll realise that Mephisto is demon-like and is the kind of person who tries to corrupt young minds. And, you know, he's even been called Satan and the devil at some point, whether he actually is the devil uh, is yet to be determined in WandaVision. In the comics, Mephisto has been involved with things on Asgard, he talks to Deadpool, and he also has a relationship with the Fantastic Four, which I'll get back to in a bit. But in terms of his relationship to Agatha, in the comics, Agatha tells Wanda that her sons, Tommy and Billy, and they're called Tommy and Billy in the comics as well, came from fragments of Mephisto's soul and at some point they get reabsorbed by him. There's a lot of discussion in the episodes of WandaVision that Wanda has so much power and it isn't enough and nobody thinks that she could come up with this on her own. Mephisto is a character who has an awful lot of power and he could be using it to ensure that if Wanda does give birth to sons that he can get them back and there are rumours around the internet that Agatha and Mephisto, wherever he is, want Billy and Tommy to age up quicker because as they age they can come back over to his side and go away from Wonder and Vision. Mephisto definitely has the power to do something like create a different Pietro or bring in a Pietro from another universe just to fuck with Wanda and he could easily be the MCU's next big villain now we no longer have Thanos. One last thing on Mephisto, he in the comic book is known to change into animals to hide himself in in animals and there are animals in every episode of one there's a rabbit there's a dog obviously sparky there's the stork, which wonder can't control when she's about to give birth and these could be representations of mephisto whether that means it's actually him controlling the hex remains to be seen as well so mephisto could be the baddie he could be controlling the hex because he wants wonder's children And there is a lot of talk about children in episode five, in episode two, and throughout the Hex-related episodes, children are a big factor, which is for Mephisto and also is for another potential cause, which I'm getting into next, whose name it will be much more familiar to you. As I said earlier, Evan Peters' introduction to WandaVision opens up the possibilities of other X-Men characters being brought into the MCU. This idea had actually been floated all the way back in Episode 1, but it's only after Episode 5 and Evan Peters that we can now investigate the next theory about another X-Men character who may be the origin of the Hex eagle-eyed viewers will have noticed that in the background of episode one during the dinner party scene there is a shot of a bottle of wine and the label on the bottle reads Maison du Mepri. In English this means House of Contempt but the bottle label looked like Maison du M and House of M is another comic series which happens to star wanda what i haven't yet mentioned is that wanda and peter maximoff's father in the comics is none other than magneto quick sidebar back to multiverses in the comic books in the marvel universe at uh, the the normal earth where things take place, events take place, is called Earth 616. And apparently, in the uh, MCU film Spider-Man Far From Home, the character Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, says that the Earth, that the main events and all the other storylines, so Infinity War, Endgame, and presumably WandaVision, is Earth 616. The reason why I bring this up, obviously other than the fact that this suggests um, the multiverse again, is that the House of M comic book does not take place in the reality 616 but is actually an alternate reality. The alternate reality in House of M was created by purportedly Professor Xavier and Wanda to give a safe place for mutants, obviously part of X Men and um, to let them have their heart's desires. And Magneto's heart's desires were very specific. Amongst other things, he wanted there to be 50% of the world as mutants or superhumans. And so, therefore, he could kind of continue with his plan of world domination, which always seems to be what Magneto wants to do. The beginning of House of M storyline is quite like WandaVision as Wanda's being hunted by people because she's seen as too powerful. And then the comics first made it look like Wonder created an alternate universe. But later on in the comics, you find out that actually it wasn't Wonder; It was Quicksilver that created the alternate universe because he kind of wanted to make everybody happy. So it is with some kind of pure intentions. And you get the idea that Magneto is really quite a bad dad and he wants world domination more than looking after his daughter and son there's some other stuff about dark phoenix but it also mentions um red energy waves which is a bit like the hex as we're seeing it in wandavision and the series ends with a big fight against magneto including by other x-men and by avengers and Magneto gets very upset and kills Quicksilver, albeit sort of accidentally. And then Wanda goes crazy. She's distraught about the death of her brother, uh, which sounds very similar to, uh, to Age of Ultron. And she says to Magneto, no more mutants. And then everything kind of goes back to normal, uh, 616, and they're a greatly depleted mutant population. That was a bit around the houses, so how does that relate to WandaVision? Well, Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange is in the House of M comic books that talks about multiverse. Wanda has children in the House of M storyline called... Billion Tommy and a Quicksilver there is a Quicksilver who dies there's also someone else controlling the multiverse who isn't necessarily Wanda so this all definitely feeds into the idea as to who's in control and I think what we can conclude is Wanda isn't 100% in control whether it's Mephisto and Agnes Agatha or whether it's Quicksilver and Magneto remains to be seen Just a couple more theories and speculation to get through. The next one I'm calling for the children. You may remember in episode two of WandaVision that Dottie was obsessed with getting this talent show off the ground and making sure that they could fund activities or something in order to support the children. And she said, the whole thing is for the children. And I decided to do a bit of research on this because they really were laying on that sentence quite thick. And Dottie has only appeared in one episode, I believe, so far. But there's no doubt that the idea of having children or the lack thereof is riven through the core of WandaVision. Dottie as a character is quite suspicious because like Agnes, she doesn't seem to be a resident of Westview as there wasn't a driver license or any information about her at all on the wall that Jimmy, Tyler, Monica and team had set up trying to work out who Wanda is manipulating within the hex. So who is she? I started looking around at characters who looked like Dottie, i.e. white women with really white blonde hair and one of the first people I thought of was the ex-woman Emma Frost. You might remember her from the film X-Men First Class, which I think is before X-Men Days of Future Past, and she's played briefly by January Jones. And Emma Frost is able to turn into her body into a diamond, and she can become incredibly strong and resistant to attack, and is also very beautiful and icy blonde, very much a Hitchcock blonde. Emma Frost is also kind of a bad guy. She's on the Magneto side of things and she's telepathic and I can't go into all the complicated detail of all the various comics talking about Emma. However, the most important one for WandaVision is a comic issue that's called for the children and it's kind of after the House of M events and within it, Magneto still wants to get like a colony or an island or something where all mutants can be safe and he convinces other people to help him including Emma Frost and she says she's willing to do this for the children and I believe that to mean for the future of mutant children so she's not necessarily talking about anyone's in particular but the future of mutant kind. Therefore, it is possible that Dottie is actually working with, let's say, Magneto and they have created the hex and they want wonder or vision. And something I should also say is that. There's a whole lot of things in the future of this For the Children comic where it's kind of AI are in charge of everything. It's all very super future stuff that I love, but probably won't come into any of this. It's too complicated. Um, so they might it might be that they want vision, they want vision skills, or, or they want Wonder, or they want both of them because they're both very powerful. And therefore she is posing as someone called Dottie, who is trying to manipulate Wanda within the hex. So that actually wasn't that long. Dottie might be Emma Frost. She might be working with Magneto. They're creating the Hex to try and save some other group of people, which might be the X-Men, who may not exist in the MCU films and One Division so far, but maybe are coming into it. And this is how Kevin Feige and the team are bringing it in. Whew. So some quick things at the end. Let's talk about the commercials in WandaVision. In episode one, there was a commercial for a toaster, and I believe all of these commercials are telling the story of what's happened to Wanda so far in a funny, witty form. The toaster commercial is about the fact that she can't remember anything, how she got here, and that she's kind of stuck in time, where the slogan is that she has to forget the past and just focus on the future. The second ad is for the Strucker watch and Strucker is the man who was experimenting on her. He worked for Hydra and that's why in The Winter Soldier, her and Pietro are getting their powers, which obviously then unleashed in the Age of Ultron. The next commercial is Hydra Soak, which is where the woman's stressed out and she's fed up with everyone and she just wants to go and have a bath. And the slogan of that ad is find the goddess within, which is probably a reference to her finding out that she can use her own powers for her own ends and not other people's which kind of directly relates to her then joining the avengers at the end of ultron into the later movies there was no ad in episode four and in episode five there is an ad for lagos paper towel and that one's the most obvious to me in civil war at the beginning of the film there is a an issue in Lagos where Wanda is acting as an avenger and she's trying to save some people and she I think she takes a bomb and puts it in another building but unfortunately some people die because they're in the building and it gets blown up and that's the whole thing that leads to the Sokovia accords which is where the world governments are trying to put controls on the avengers because they worry that they have powers that can be used for bad as well as good so I think these ads are Wanda's life story which led her to create or be part of the creation of the Hex. A couple more things. Um, Sparky was a dog created by Vision in one comic book storyline and he gets killed like in WandaVision the series and Tony Stark and Wanda recreate the dog which I think is why. Billy and Tommy are saying in episode five, Oh mum, can't you bring Sparky back to life? In episode five, outside the hex, Monica and Darcy are discussing making this vehicle which will protect Monica so she can go back inside the hex. And she says that she knows a aerospace engineer who might be able to help her and um, the prevailing theory is that that might be Reed Richards who is a character from the Fantastic Four and you might know him from films as Mr Fantastic and that means he gets all stretchy and he can change his body into different things um, there's also been an announcement of a new Fantastic Four film. Fantastic Four has also been brought into the MCU. The film's going to be directed by John Watts, who directed the Spider Man movies, the, the new MCU Spider Man movies. And there are rumours that John Krasinski could play this character. So if the person is Reed Richards, then they will probably appear in WandaVision, maybe in the next episode. Um, there are also some other uh, people bandying around who could be the Engineer, a character called Blue Marvel, or a character called Iron Heart, and Blue Marvel is man and Iron Heart is woman or a um, girl. And um, they all we already know that there's going to be an Iron Heart movie coming in the future, um, so that will be interesting. Maybe look up uh, Riri Williams' Iron Heart, and I'm sure there's some things I've forgotten, but there is one last mystery which we don't yet know the answer to which is in episode four Jimmy mentions that he had access to a witness who saw something about Westview and the hex and the witness has now left and he can't find them. He uses the pronoun he So it's a man, so it might not be my idea that it could be Emma Frost. It could be someone like Dr. Strange, Um, although I don't know why he'd be a witness. That seems a bit strange. (laughs) I saw a site that suggested it might be a character called Wonder Man because at some point in an interview with Jack Schaefer had shown a picture of Wonder Man in the background. That's how ridiculous and red string theory we're getting now. Um, it could also be Hawkeye. There's going to be a Hawkeye series uh, in the future. So it could link to that. But basically the person has to be someone who's had some contact with superheroes and mutant power because that's the reason purported in wandavision why jimmy and monica can see the hex or see westview through the hex when the average person can't so there we go we've gone to the end oh thank you for making all the way through those spoilers and theories and speculation i know i probably asked more questions than i answered but hopefully there'll be something there if you always wanted to know who Mephisto is or why you keep hearing these people's names then I did some research for you and I read a few comic books and read a lot of Wikipedia pages and related and there's still so much I don't know. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, if you have any questions that you want answered or any thoughts or tell me where I've gone wrong, please write to beyondbeck at gmail.com or tweet to us at beyond underscore Bechtel. See you next time, through the hex.